All right, well, tonight, the, the title of this message is, How's Your Appetite? How's Your Appetite? <laughs> and while that title is cute, I'm going to go ahead and warn you right now that some of what I have to say may not feel that great. Okay? When you go to the doctor and they're checking you out, right? And they say, oh, how's this and how's that? Let's look at your blood pressure and let's take your temperature and let's, and how's your appetite? How's your appetite? Let's say you got a cat or a dog, you know, and you take them to the vet and what's one of the things they always ask you? Have they been eating? You know, uh, are they eating normal? How's their appetite? Now, why do they ask you that? Because it's a sign of physical health, right? It's a sign of physical health. How many of you have ever had somebody, uh, let me give you an example. My mom, in the last days of her life, she'd had several strokes, and she was sort of uh, unconscious. This sort of happened with Jerry's dad, too. And people, quite often, as they're dying, will stop eating, mm -hmm. even if they're okay in other ways. They lose their appetite. They quit eating. And it's a sign of physical ailment. It's, a, it, it, it's leading to death. It's important that you eat, right? It's important, right? Well, tonight, we're going to talk about spiritual appetite. And just like the physical, if you're not very hungry for the things of God, you might be dying. You might be dying. So it's really important. Now listen to me. As I talk to you tonight, I can't see your heart. So you're not, you're not going to need to hide anything from me. I don't know anything. God already knows your heart and knows exactly where you're at. So you can't hide anything from him. He's not going to be deceived. But here's the funny thing. We have a real good way of deceiving ourselves. So tonight, it's not important that you try to hide it from me or try to hide it from God because you I don't know and God already does. But the question is, do you know? Do you know where you're at in it? Okay, and that's what I want you to look at. I want you to be honest with yourself tonight. And if you see something here and you go, wow, huh, I'm not doing that good there. Well, don't just sit there and starve to death and die, please. Okay? Don't just sit there and starve to death and die. It's not necessary. Okay? All right, so let's go to Romans 9.13. This is a real short verse, and you're going to be like, what in the world does this have to do with it, Teresa? Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> just hang tight. You'll see. It says, as it is written... Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Now, we're all familiar with that story about Jacob and Esau. Now, when, I re when I read this, you know, that bothered me. I'm like, wow. I'm like, God, that's, so, that's like strong. You hated Esau? I mean, I know that he sold his birthright to his brother when he was hungry, but, you know, he, that's harsh. I mean, Jacob, we all think of him as a deceiver, right? I mean, he came along and we think, oh, you know, he was a deceiver. He went in there and he dressed up like his brother and he tricked his dad. Him and his mom cooked up this and, and he took the birthright, right? You think to yourself, why, why would God hate Esau for that? One of the translations, if we go and we're, we're going to have to go back and visit this story. 
okay, so that we can understand what's actually happening here. And I'm going to read to you out of the King James, and then I'm going to tell you what one of the versions says. Let's go look at Genesis 25. And we're going to look at verse 27 through 34, okay? It says, so the boys grew, it's talking about Jacob and Esau, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. Listen now. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And here it is. This is what I want you to catch right here. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to be? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So what are we seeing here? Esau comes in and he's hungry. He's physically uncomfortable. He's very physically uncomfortable. He says, oh, I'm about to die. Now we know that's probably an exaggeration because even in those days, I'm sure that he had some bread or something in the house that he could have noshed on until he went and cooked himself, his own self some stew or whatnot. But listen, he was, he was hungry and his brother had it and for his physical self was crying out. His flesh was crying out. I got to have that food. And he was willing to sell spiritual things for physical comfort. He was willing to let go of the spiritual for his physical comfort. His physical comfort. Now, when we think of Jacob, we, we often think, well, he was the deceiver. Listen, he, he deceived, he was a liar, and he went in there and he cheated. Well, now, hold on a minute. It's just the opposite. Esau knew. He knew that he had sold his birthright to his brother. And no doubt, because uh, he was close to his mama, Rebecca. Jacob had probably told his mama about that, right? But like a lot of people, see, he knew that his dad was going to give him the blessing because his dad also enjoyed the same physical comforts that his son did. A lot of times we want to show up. So here's Esau. Here's Esau, and he's thinking, yeah, I did that, but that doesn't matter because I'm close to my dad. My dad loves me. And I can go in and get my spiritual blessing from my dad because I have favor with him. See, I don't need, I, I, I can try to just skip over the disciplines and the, and the right things, and I can just go to those who love me. But see, God, God doesn't, you can't just come in and get the blessing. He, see, he wanted, to, he wanted to take the easy road out, and then he wanted to show up and get that blessing anyway. How do I know that? Well, it tells us. It tells us that when his dad was getting ready to die, he was going to go out and make the stew and come back and get the blessing. Let's look at it, Genesis 27, 1 through 5. It says, now, it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered him and said, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, 
Please take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. You catch that? See, Esau was about to go out knowing that he had sold that birthright to his brother. But he didn't think it mattered because after all he had the favor of his father. So he thought he could take the shortcut and then he could show up and just be blessed anyway. Right? Right. But you see, God said he hated Esau for that, but he loved Jacob. He loved Jacob. And I thought, well, really, God? Because, you know, Jacob, he did lie. But, you know, the truth is, as I was reading this story and I was praying about it one day, and I'm like, I I really don't understand this. looks like Jacob was a deceiver. It looks like Jacob lied. Why did you love him, God? Why did you love him? And so I probably read this story about four or five times, you know, as I was reading through the Old Testament. And then one day it hit me. I mean, it struck me. God, the Holy Spirit just illuminated it to me, and I saw it so plainly. And I want to share it with you tonight. So let's go look at Genesis 32. And we're going to look at 24, verses 24 through 32. Okay? It says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man... This, now, we know that Jacob went in. Let me, let me just back up a little bit here. We know that Rebekah told Jacob, I've heard your dad planning to give the blessing that was rightfully yours that your brother sold you, basically. She says, he's planning to give it to your brother, and so now you go out and make some stew. And you know he put on the... the, the the skins, for those of you who aren't familiar, so that he would feel like his brother. And he went in and he, he took the blessing. Now, we think that he did it illegally. He did not. It was sold to him. It was sold to him. He did trick his father, but he did not take it illegally. That birthright was sold to him. And so he shows up, and now he's, he's fled from his brother. His mama told him to go down to go with my people, and we know he goes, and he lives with our brother Laban, and he works for seven years for Rachel, and Laban tricks him and gives him Leah, and he works another seven years. And long story short, now he's coming home. Okay, he's left his father-in-law's house because, you know, the father-in-law's not been very kind with him. He's always changing his wages and sort of giving him a hard road to hoe, so to speak. And so he's headed home and he's praying to God and he's saying, now listen, he's wrestled all along. He's constantly seeking God. God, if you'll bless me. We see all along there, we see he builds a pillar where he laid down and had a dream of the ladder that was going uh, from the earth to heaven with the angels descending and ascending, right? Ascending and descending. And so now he's, he's headed home and he's He's praying, and I always thought this part was odd because if you read this story, it's talking, and then it seems like this is random. seems like they just, it says so he, he splits all of his family up into companies, and he's trying to appease his brother as he comes back, and he's praying to God, and he's saying, if you'll give me favor, you know, and protect me, you've said that I'm blessed. You've said that I'll be multiplied like the sand. You know, he's, he's quoting the, the, all the scriptures and things, the blessings that had come down through the the. Uh, lineage, and then he says this. He, he, it, it leaves from him sending the company across the brook to meet, meet Esau, and then it just says this right randomly. It says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, 
He touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Because, (laughs) for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob answered, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. In other words, Esau was willing to sell his birthright for his physical comfort, but Jacob was willing to to suffer physical discomfort for the rest of his life for the spiritual blessing. And therefore, God loved him. Mm. See, it tells you that for the rest of his life, he walked with a limp. He had a physical. In other words, his physical was not as important as the spiritual. But I'm afraid that in the church today, we got a whole lot of Esau's and not very many Jacob's. I'm afraid there's not too many of us that really want to suffer at all for the blessings. Mm -hmm. Not at all. What are you talking about, Teresa? What are you, you know, what, what you talking about? What do I mean? Oh, well, okay, it's Sunday morning. It's time for church. Oh, I know, but, man, I worked hard this week, and I'm so tired, and this is my only day to sleep in. I'm just going to sleep in today. What does it matter? It's just it's one day. Ah, physical comfort. Oh, what about this? Hey, tonight it's, it's, hey, it's prayer meeting down at the church. We'd love to have you come and bring your supply. Oh, yeah, it's almost six, but I got to go to work tomorrow. I'm so tired. You know, I still have to do laundry, and, and I need to get the kids to bed. And eh, they could do that without me. Besides, I've been to those prayer meetings. Yep. They don't need me. Mm, okay, Esau. Mm. What about this one? I'm not feeling well. I don't feel good at all. Oh, you want me to read the scriptures and stuff? I've heard those scriptures before. Listen, didn't you hear what I said? I don't feel good. I want to just show up. Why why can't pastor just lay his hands on me and heal me? All right, Esau. All right, all right. What about here? Oh, pastor, I have a call on my life. I don't know what it is. I really want to know what my destiny is. I'm, you know... um, I've been praying about it a little bit here and there. I'm just waiting for God to tell me. Um, yeah, I know. I, I should fast and pray. I've heard that before. Uh, but I don't like fasting. That's hard, man. I've tried it before. I feel terrible when I fast. I get a headache when I fast. I'm tired when I fast. I can't fast. I don't like to pray in the Holy Ghost. It's boring. I know what. I'll just go down and see the prophet. Yeah. Maybe they can tell me. That is so true. <laughs> You're not lying. Yeah, because all of that makes me uncomfortable. All that makes me so uncomfortable. I can't do all that, all right? Uh Uh-huh. That's good. That's good. How about here's one? Well, I don't know what's going on down at that church. I mean, we want the moves of the Spirit. I don't know what's happening down there. We don't see nothing. There's nobody getting healed. Ain't nobody falling on the floor. Once in a while they do, but I'd like to hear some prophecies, and I want to see some healings, and, and, you know, I need to see some people getting cured and whatever and so on and so forth, praying the Holy Ghost. Well, that takes...
takes a lot of time. You don't understand. I work all week. Isn't that pastor's job? I mean, what about Justin and pastor and the the praise band? Can't they fix this? I just want to show up and eat the spiritual meal that they prepared. Okay, Esau. All right. Okay, Esau. I told you it's going to get a little rough in here tonight, but it's all right. I'm going to get you out of here in a little while. (laughs) All right, Esau. You see, we live in a, we, we, we're so used to instant gratification. We really are. We want everything and we want it now. And we don't want to work hard for it because we live in America. We've got about a million and one distractions. We got so many things to satisfy our flesh. Listen, we got Netflix and we got YouTube. We got Facebook. We got online shopping. We got sports. We got restaurants. We got Disney. We got jet skis. We got boats. We got cars. We got doctors. We got 401k and we got insurance. And the list goes on and on. This goes on and on. I could spend all day gratifying my flesh. See, I don't have very many needs, so it's easy for me to be a little slack. You know, I don't have too many needs in America. Americans don't have very many needs because we can get everything instantaneous. And we don't even realize. We don't even realize. You know? Let's back up to those moves of the Spirit. I didn't quite complete that. You know, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14.1. Can't we just show up and eat off pastor's plate? I mean, come on, Jacob. Give me your stew. I'm starving here. Just give it to me. I don't want to work for it. You do it. <laughs> okay, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. All right, now listen to me. That word desire right there, the original Greek word is the word lust. No, I'm for real. Go look it up. It's the word covet, lust. In other words, have such a strong desire that it drives you. And people have told me before, and they say, oh, you're not supposed to desire those gifts. Well, I'm sorry, darling. The Bible says you are. I'm sorry, you can't talk me out of that because I see it right there in the Word. Okay? But here's my thing. Do you, do you desire it enough that you will do what it takes to get? We don't desire it because it takes sacrifice of our flesh to get into the presence. It takes sacrifice of our flesh. It takes our time. It takes our commitment. We might have to get up a little early. We might have to go to bed a little early. We might have to give up a few minutes on YouTube. We might have to give up our favorite sports, you know, on TV. We might not get to go out on the boat on Sunday. Well, oh, man, that's just too hard. I don't like that. That's golly. Right? (laughs) All right, I told you it was going to be a little rough tonight, but that's the way it is. Okay. In other words, we're just all busy, 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 and we're so satisfied. We're so satisfied. Let's look at Proverbs 27, 7. says, a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. 
but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. What am I talking about? Jesus whispers in your soul, hey, it's been a little while since I've heard from you. Come aside. Come aside. Let's talk for a moment. God says, come here. Draw near to me. I want to talk to you for a moment. And you say, oh, yeah, that's all right. I need to look at my Instagram account. No, thanks, God. I'm satisfied. Hey, I need you to do something for me. You know that neighbor over there? I need you to go over and just help them with their lawn. I need you to just do, oh, man, it's hot out there. I don't want to do that. Besides today, I was planning to, you know, go to the beach. I can't, yeah, I know it's too hot for me to do their yard work, but I'm going to the beach. Um, Yeah, no thanks, God. No thanks, God. I don't need that blessing anyway. I'm satisfied. I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm satisfied. Hey, hey, listen. When's the last time you read your word? I got some. I got a treasure in here. I want to show you something. Will you just come and spend just a little bit of time with me? Will you just spend a little bit of time listening to me? Oh, man. Law and Order's on. I like that show. I got to go watch Law and Order. How about later, God? How about later? I mean, we could do this anytime, right? I mean... No, thanks, God. I'm satisfied. Listen, we do this stuff. I've done it. I've done it. I've been guilty of it. We all have. It's so easy for us to just push aside. What, what, it's just easy for us to do it. It really is. Right? Okay. Was well, that a big deal? Oh, I don't know. Let's find out. Let's look at Revelation. I love you guys. <laughs> more importantly God loves you (laughs) let's look at Revelation 3 15 through 20 it says I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot I could wish you were cold or hot so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot I will vomit you out of my mouth Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Now listen, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. Listen, maybe you're sitting here and, and like me. There was a, uh, Let me just give you a little personal testimony about this. Back when I was in the Baptist church, to make a long story short, there was a lady in our church. She was very sick. She had cancer. She, it had moved from her... Um, breast into her brain and she I mean it just all kinds of things she was just having so many problems and we had prayed for her um, in our Baptist way oh Lord if it be your will please heal her we put this oil on her I mean we anointed her with oil but we were clueless and so we prayed for her and and she did have some small victories but she never received her total healing 
And then at that time, one of our friends, the pastor, a little while later, the pastor uh, got into a lot of trouble, and him and his wife were getting a divorce, and I mean, just all kinds of things were happening. And I was driving down the road one day, and, and I said to God, you know, God, I read all this stuff in the Bible, but it just doesn't even seem real to me because I don't see any of this happening in my life. I don't see it happening in any of the Christian's life. And I don't really understand why you would do it for all the people back then and you wouldn't do it for us. Now, this is my ignorance speaking, okay, because I didn't know the things I know now. You don't have this excuse. (laughs) You're in this church. But I had read this and I said to God, I said, you know, I know I'm lukewarm and I know you hate it but I have absolutely no idea what to do about it because I read this stuff and I'm kind of bored with it now because it doesn't work in my life. I don't see it working. It doesn't mean anything to me. It's just stories of what people did in the past. Well, shortly after that, I stumbled across Andrew Womack and I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and it changed everything in my life. It changed everything because suddenly I started getting realization that this stuff was mine. I started praying in the Holy Ghost and and building myself up, right? But the first thing I had to realize, listen, the first thing I had to realize was that even in that state, when I didn't even have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I realized I was spiritually sick. Yeah, I realized that the things of God didn't thrill me that much, that I was just going through the motions. I went to church because it was the right thing to do. I sometimes read the Bible, not all the time, but sometimes I read it because I knew I should. I prayed for people because God said to, but my heart really wasn't that much into it. I'd pray for, oh, sister so-and-so, you know, bless her, I don't know, whatever she needs. And, and, you know, God, if you could help such and such, that would be good. But now let's talk about me. You know, and that was kind of how my prayers went. I was just spiritually sick. But I had a day when I realized it. And I'm asking you, do you realize maybe right now that you might be spiritually sick? See, the first thing is we got to realize that we're spiritually sick, right? And then the second thing you got to realize is that you never, ever crave after things that you're not familiar with. You don't crave things you're not familiar with. See, I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't craving a lot of God because I wasn't too familiar with his ways or with, with the blessings or with how to operate in them. I wasn't, let me give you a first, let me just show you this. Now, I've used this example before, but it's true. Do you know I never, ever crave borscht, borscht, however you say it? I never crave that. I don't even know what it's made of. You know why I don't crave it? Because I've never eaten it. Now, if you're from Russia, you may crave borscht. But when I have a craving, it's usually something I've eaten before, right? You know, I mean, I will crave something like spaghetti or steak, you know, or tiramisu or a banana split. I mean, it's always something that I'm familiar with. (laughs) Zach's like, that's terrible, Teresa. (laughs) I know. You know, the truth is, is that if you, whatever you are putting in, whatever you are putting your eyes upon, whatever you are consuming all the time will be the thing that you, cons- that you crave constantly. So if you find that you're spiritually sick, you might need to start taking some medicine. 
Because see, listen ladies, this is true. It's true for whatever you're looking at, for whatever you're hearing, for whatever you're spending your time with. True, true story. See, you didn't crave Facebook until you went on there one day and started flicking around and looking at everything, and then, and then you just slowly got more and more interested, more and more interested, more and more interested, right? It never ends. Now, for me, it's YouTube, okay? So I have to control myself with YouTube and say, nope, it's time to read the Bible. I can't go listen to, you know, whoever talking about the Bible. I need to go actually read my Bible, you know? Even good stuff. Listen, I have to go in there. But I never craved YouTube until I started looking at YouTube. (laughs) It's true. Ladies, it works with you all the time. You say, oh, I'm just going to go to the mall and window shop. Oh, come on now. Come on. Now, you weren't feeling like you were just dying for that pair of shoes until you actually saw those shoes. And then what happened? You said, man, them shoes look pretty. And then you went over there and you put them shoes on. And then you decided, man, them shoes look good. And then you bought those shoes. And then when you got those shoes, you thought, I don't really have anything to wear. I better go buy an outfit to wear these (laughs) shoes with. So then you went on and you looked for an outfit and see what happened. It was what came into your eye gates. It's what came into your eye gates. Right? The truth is is that we will always become like what we're beholding. We'll always become like that, right? Let's look at Psalm 34, 8. I know I could just turn around and look, but I want you all to know that I actually do know how to use my Bible. (laughs) I usually cheat and use the screen. Okay, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, taste and see. In other words, we're going to have to come and look and see and indulge in Jesus to crave him, to understand it's good. It says taste and see. Taste and see, right? Let's look at Jeremiah 15, 16. You say, Jeremiah 15, 16? Now, this one I am going to cheat because it'll take me a while to find it. All right, it says, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. O Lord God of hosts. I found your word, and I ate them. It was joy to me. So one of the first things that we're going to have to understand is that if we're going to develop an appetite for the things of God, we're going to have to read his word. That's one of the things. You're going to have to develop the discipline of reading the word. There's no other way around it. Amen? Now, let's look at Matthew 4.4. Let's look at that real quick. How am I doing on time? Okay, we're good. I know. I can get long-winded, but I think I might actually get y'all out of here tonight early, or at least on time. Okay? you got to finish your story from last week. Yeah, there you go. Oh, nope, that's it. Y'all are staying. <laughs> and then this is Jesus, and, and they have come to him, and he says, But he answered, Jesus, and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. From the mouth of God. Right? Now, he has 
in this, what was happening here was Jesus was being tempted by the devil. What's going on there, bug? What's a bee? <laughs> well, shame on you, bee, for disrupting my... <laughs> That's what you get. All right. <laughs> and so here in Matthew 4, 4, what we see is Jesus has been in the desert, and he's being tempted by the devil. Now, I want you to notice something. The devil had said to him, let's back up and read that. It says, now Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Listen. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry, physical, physical. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do you realize that the devil was tempting Jesus to do the exact same thing that Esau did? He was tempting him to sell his birthright as the firstborn among, amongst many for physical comfort. He was saying, oh, well, if you're the son of God, just make this bread. You're hungry. Satisfy your flesh. It'll be okay. Just turn this into bread and satisfy your flesh. Never mind what God has said. And do you know that every day the devil is tempting you the same way? Every day he comes along and tempts you to sell your birthright. He says, come on, just be comfortable. I mean, I know God told you that you can get healed if you read those scriptures, but who's got time for that? I mean, maybe you can just go down and get some hands laid on you. You don't need to do all that. Come on. And I know if you, you, yeah, they tell you if you'll read that word, you'll make your way prosperous and all that, but you know that's boring. You don't even understand half of that. Don't, don't waste your time with that. You can just listen to the pe- You can just listen to the pastor. I mean, isn't it more fun to just go and play a, a, a game on the uh, Xbox or whatever it is? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> right? I mean, every day he comes along and tempts you and says, Hey, sell your birthright. Hey, come on, be comfortable. Sell your birthright. It's not that important. You're all right. You're in America. You're not sick. Hey, if you get sick, you can go to the doctor and get some antibiotics. It's all right. It's okay. Oh, you're having a little bit of trouble. Don't worry. You can go down and get some food stamps and get some stuff. You don't have to. Yeah, that's just how we do it here in America. It's all right. Oh, you know what? We can get some food. It'll take everybody. They'll take care of me. It's okay. It's okay. Right? Listen, you must read the word to be spiritually healthy. You must. It is your food. It's your mirror. It's your title deed. And we become like what we behold. I've already established that. And we know that the Bible tells us that Jesus is the Word and the Word became flesh. So when you are reading the Bible, you are consuming Jesus. You are looking in the mirror and you are becoming like what you behold. Right? So it is necessary that you would discipline yourself. It is a spiritual fact that whatever you look at, you will become like. Remember when you were, uh, well, let's go back to Jacob for a moment. Remember the sheep? Remember when Laban told him, when he finally told Laban, hey, what do I have for all of my labors? And he said, okay. And so he makes a deal with Laban and he says, all of the stringed and spot, you know, streaked and spotted sheep, they'll be mine. And then in a dream, God gives him a, a, a vision to take some sticks and peel those sticks and make them stringed and spotted. And he puts them in the troughs so that every time the sheep and it come to drink their water, they see 
those sticks. And then they bake there, and guess what happens? They produce stringed and, and, and spotted. They became like what they beheld. Now, if that works for sheep, let me tell you something. That works for you. Amen? Amen? Now, the Bible told you it's, it, it's your mirror. Why is it important that you keep on beholding yourself in it? Well, you want to become like what you look at. But not only do you want to behold yourself, you want to do it. Because remember, it said that you can come and just be a, a hearer of that word. You can come in here and you can just sit here and you can just hear the word. And you can go home and you can be deceived yourself. God's not deceived and there's no need to try to deceive me or pastor. Can't see your heart. And you cannot deceive God. But you may be deceiving yourself. You may be deceiving yourself. Now, I don't know the answer to that. Only you do. And only God knows. But if you are deceiving yourself, stop it. It's simple. Just stop it. You don't have to keep going that way. You don't have to keep going that way. Right? So we are going to have to read the word. Okay? Jesus is the word. Remember your mama used to tell you, birds of a feather flock together. And we know that that's true. Listen, I've had friends and whatever things that they would say, their weird sayings, you'll, you'll find yourself saying them, won't you? And then your friend gets, you know, gets some particular thing and they come along and show you this purse or this, that, and suddenly you got to have that. And, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll just do it without even thinking about it. You'll just pick it up. That's why God told you to keep looking in this mirror. Keep on looking in this mirror. Keep on looking in this mirror. And then the next thing he told you is that you're going to have to build yourself up. You have to build yourself up. Jude 1.20. And we're all familiar with this, but let's look at it anyway. Okay? Because we're in church and we look at our word. We love our word. Amen. I'm not going to apologize to you for giving you a bunch of scriptures. I never will. Because if you can't look at the Bible in here, where are you going to look at it? It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, look, he said you can build yourself up. Now, I'm going to now, now tell you what happens with this. You sit and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you say, man, I don't feel anything except tired and hoarse, right? And you're like, I don't know if this is doing anything. Well, let me tell you something. It may not seem like anything's happening in that moment, but let's, lose, let's just use Zach and Justin for an example right here. These guys like to go work out. And they're lifting weights, and I'm going to tell you something. When they're lifting weights, you know what they feel? Pain. Tell them. Tell them what you feel. You feel pain. You feel tired. When you're done, do you feel stronger or do you feel tired and weak? Yes, you do. You feel kind of tired and weak. But, but... The weeks go by, the months go by, the years go by, and what's happening? The muscles. Look at Zach's arms. That's what's happening. Look at Justin over here. Look at these guys. (laughs) You're coming along. Come on. You're coming along. Okay, how about about this one right here? Yeah, Isaac. Isaac. Check out Isaac's arms. Listen, it didn't feel good while you were doing that, did it? Not necessarily, not when you started, at least. But what happens then? What happens then? You develop an appetite for it. See, the time goes by, and as you've been doing it, now all of a sudden there's this shift, and the body cries out for it. 
Now, I've experienced that. I know it's hard to believe looking at me now, but there was a time when I worked out with weights and I had a personal trainer. And when I started, dear Lord Jesus, I thought they were killing me. I mean, I'd go home and be like, that's it. I'm done. I'd lay down on the couch and have to take a nap to get over it. I mean, I was so exhausted by the time they were done with me. I'm like, this guy is nuts. He's trying to kill me. Well, guess what happened, though? About seven months in, I'm seeing some good results. You know, I got myself a little bicep right here. These leg, these thigh muscles, they were looking good. They were kicking. You know, my stomach was flat. I could glare some. I'm like, all right, all right. You know? And then what would happen is if I missed a day, I had a sort of stiffness, a sort of, you know, I got that little bit of stiffness. I knew I needed to work out. You know? Well, it's the same with spiritual things. And it's especially the same with praying in the Holy Ghost. You got to use it and you got to build it up and you will build your spiritual muscles. But it takes time. It takes time. It doesn't just happen overnight. And you may pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and get up and go, I have no idea. I don't feel nothing except tired. But I'm going to tell you something. Your week will start going better. And suddenly this situation over here that you didn't know what to do about it, well, now you do know what to do about it. But see, because we're Americans, we want instant gratification. I want to know the minute I got through praying exactly what I prayed about and what it accomplished, and and I want to feel something for heaven's sakes. I want my flesh to feel good. Okay, Esau. Calm down, Esau. (laughs) Amen. Let's look at Galatians 5.16. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you find yourself catering to your flesh too much, you need to go and walk in the spirit a while. If you find yourself doing those things that you shouldn't do and not doing the things that you should do, go walk in the spirit. Amen. Amen. Tune in to the inner self. Tune in. Now, there's another side to praying. There's another side to this. See, we, we want to come to God, rattle off our list of what we want and need and who needs a blessing and pray in our tongues and say, okay, thanks, God, bye. And we're out the door. That's it. It's the end of it. And then we say, I don't know. God never talks to me. Well, do you ever hush long enough for him to talk to you? Do you ever just sit in his presence and say, hey, God, what do you want to say today? What would you say to me today? What's on your heart, God? What would you like to do today, Lord? See, we don't do that. You know why? Because we're uncomfortable. We're bored. We don't know what we're doing. We don't hear something immediately. (laughs) I mean, we want to sit there, and and if one minute passes and we ain't heard nothing, we're out of here. We're like, okay, God, what do you want to say? Okay, that's good. Bye. I mean, you know, we, we, we don't want to give God. But I'm going to tell you a little secret here. A day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. If you're going to come to God in a big hurry, you're probably going to be disappointed. <laughs> that is true. All right? You're just going to have to know that he's not on your timeline. And he's worth waiting on. He's worth waiting on. Amen? 
The Bible tells us that if we will draw nigh unto God, he will draw nigh unto us. He rewards those that diligently seek him. He rewards us if we diligently seek him. Amen? Okay? All right. And the next thing is, we've, we've covered this a little bit, but we've got we to gotta guard our eye gate, our ear gates. We've got to guard it because what's coming in, listen, here's the deal. You have to be very um, specific and purposeful about your input. If you are going to live a powerful Christian life, listen to me carefully now. This is where we get, we get hung up here. We're never going to be able to do it loosey-goosey. We're not going to be able to do it. We're going to have to be very specific and very purposeful about it. Because what your input is will control your outcome. Whatever the input is, it's controlling the outcome. You're, you're, like, a, you're like a sponge. You, whatever, whatever's in there, when you get squeezed, that's what's coming out. And so you're going to have to be purposeful about what you put in. Deliberate. Deliberate. Okay? Now here's one. We are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Remember, we already talked about we become like who we hang around. This is another one Satan loves to get you off by yourself because then you don't have anybody to challenge what you think, and you like that. You don't have anybody to make you uncomfortable about what you're doing, and you like that. It makes you comfortable. I'm comfortable. Well, Teresa... I am the church. I don't have to go to church. Dear heart, you are in disobedience. Your Bible said you are the church, and he also said assemble Amen. together. So I hate to be the one to burst your little bubble. Not really. I quite enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I don't want to lie in the pulpit. Truth is, is I quite enjoy telling you that because I get so frustrated when Christians telling me, I am the church. I don't have to assemble to be the church, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, you're in rebellion. And that's just the plain hard fact because that's what your Bible says. And remember, our guide is always going to be this. I'm sorry. No, not really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, what about this? Well, I would come to church, but I can't stand so-and-so that goes to that church. Uh-oh. They get on my nerves. Uh-oh. We've had problems from day one, and every time I go there, they make me uncomfortable. I know they're over there, and I can't even enjoy worship because I know that they're over there. Let's go to 1 John three fourteen. We got medicine for that. Let's get you cured of that. Let's take a good dose of medicine, the gospel, gospel. Okay, it says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Uh-oh, you're spiritually unhealthy. Uh-oh. Did you read that? It says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Remember, life and death is set before you. Choose life. Choose life. Look, there's nothing that anybody, uh, there's nothing, (laughs) there's nothing anybody has done to you that you have not done in some form or fashion to someone else. Let's be honest. Let's be real. 
Let's be honest and let's be real. Have you ever said something rude to somebody? Oh, of course you have. Right? Have you ever been selfish and did something that served you and sort of cut the other person? Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Right? So we're going to have to come together in forgiveness and we're going to have to love one another. Otherwise, you're choosing death. Otherwise, you're choosing death. And you're going to have to extend forgiveness. And there are no perfect people and there are no perfect people in our church. Not a single one. If you're looking for that, you will be looking for all until Jesus comes back. Let me just put it like that. You'll be looking until Jesus comes back. You won't find it. It doesn't exist. Right? Let me ask you this. Are you still tender towards what Jesus has done for you? In other words, you can sit and and speak the lingo. I can sit around, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. And there's not an ounce of feeling in it. Now, this is a good good barometer right here. Does it still touch your heart when you think about what Jesus did for you? I mean, when you sit and consider the price he paid for you, and all the things he's done for you from the time you accepted him till now, and all the miraculous things he's done in your life, does it still grab a hold of your heart, and do you still have a sincere thank you in there? Not just some Christian jargon. I'm not talking about, oh, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, blah, blah. I'm talking about, wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you would do that for me. Let's look at Revelation 2.4. Praise the Lord. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Listen, repent, and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. So, Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're feeling kind of heavy with all this. I don't want you to go home heavy. I want you to understand there's repentance. We have 1 John 1, 9. If you've located yourself in here and said, man, my temperature's not too good. I'm not hot. See, in spiritual world, you want to be hot. I have no fever at all. I'm not quite cold and dead, but I have no fever. I'm not doing good. I'm not fighting off my flesh at all. I'm not fighting off the infection of the world at all. I'm not hot. There's no fever. Well, there's a remedy. Okay? And we're going to get to that in a minute. And you say, now, Teresa, I think you're making a big deal out of this. And, you know, I don't know if this is really all that important. Come on. Is this really that important? Let's look at Malachi 1, 6 and 7. I told y'all tonight wasn't going to be a real fun one. (laughs) But it's important, and it's on God's heart. And I've seen this theme coming out in our prayer meetings, coming out of all over the place. This is on God's heart, and this is what he gave me. And it's on his heart, right? Mm -hmm. And so it means that we need to pay attention. Okay, it says, 
A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name? Yet you say, in what way, what way, Lord, have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. What does that mean? It means I'm given second best. If you go on and read it, if you start up at the top, he mentions Esau and Jacob. And he's talking about that you find the things of God contemptible. You give him second best. I encourage you to read that whole Malachi. Just read the whole thing. It's short. And he'll tell you, should I be happy? Would you bring in me the blind and the lame and your second best? Should I be excited when you show up half-baked on a Sunday morning and you're thinking about lunch and how quickly can you get out of here and go to the beach? Should I be happy when you prefer to watch your, your, your TV shows instead of spend time with me? Should I be happy about that? You make my table contemptible. You have contempt for the things of God. That's what he's saying. See, Esau thought he was, just, he was just satisfying his flesh in that moment. But God said that he despised his birthright by doing that. And God is telling us, you, make, you treat my stuff with contempt when you bring me second best. When you bring the offering that is blind and lame and, and, and it's not the best, it's not the highest. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. And you come to the table and you make it contemptible with your, with your defiled, half-baked half-hearted he, he, he doesn't like it church he doesn't like it and we want listen the prophets now why am I talking to y'all about this listen I've been watching some of the prophets and, and even pastor has said this we know that we're into these last days but we know that before that happens that the church is going to be spotless and glorious because Jesus said he's going to present the bride spotless and glorious. And all the prophets are saying this, and it's something serious we need to hear. They're saying there's going to be a glory of God that's going to fall on the church that is going to be massive and bigger than anything we've ever seen. But here's the deal. If you're not right with God, you're going to be consumed by it. You remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Have you ever wondered what in the world happened right there? Well, I'll tell you what happened right there. They came in pretending to be something that they weren't. See, they saw the glory and the honor. They saw people giving honor to the people who had sold their property and brought it all, but they, their heart wasn't really like that. See, they could have kept it and been honest about it and been okay. They could have kept it and God wouldn't have, but they were dishonest. See, they wanted to have the glory, but they didn't want to make the sacrifice. And so they were pretending they were pretending to be something that they weren't, and God was dissatisfied with that. And they died on the spot. And so there are some prophets out there that are saying, look, if you're playing at this, you better repent. Because when that glory hits the church, you've got to be able to carry it. You, listen, unholiness is not going to survive in the presence of pure holiness. You understand that? Not because God is mean and not because he's exacting, but because that is just, he's a consuming fire and anything that's unholy will be burnt up by it. Amen. The Bible tells us he is a consuming fire. Amen. And you better be consumed with him. 
And we're coming into days, and the church is going to be glorious. Our Bible tells us that. The prophets are telling us that. When this will happen, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what it'll look like, but it's coming. And it surely looks like to me when I look around and try to discern the times that we must be pretty close to it. I mean, I think you have to be spiritually blind not to understand things are quite different in this world right now. I mean, you have to be deaf, dumb, and mute, basically, not to get that. Okay? And so, now, I've said all this to you tonight, not just so I could have a cool message or, you know, go, see, isn't this cool? And that don't, wasn't that good? No, 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 no. That's useless. It's useless if that's what you walk out of here with. I've just wasted all my time tonight. I've said this because I want you to spend a moment and check your heart. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody in here right now. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you for just a moment. I'm going to be quiet. I'm not even going to talk. I want you to be honest before the Lord. I want you to think. I want you to ask, God, is there a place where I've just been half-baked about this? And can you be sincere and sincerely say, I surrender it all? Father, to the best of my ability, I have brought this message tonight. And I understand that not all of it was fun. But Lord, it's so necessary that every now and then, you said if we'll just judge ourselves, if we'll just judge ourselves, we won't be judged. And so Father, I'm asking that tonight you'll speak to every heart in here and that they'll be honest before you. They're not try- it's not about hiding anything from me or from the pastor or from anybody in this church. They can't hide from you. But I'm asking that they won't hide the truth from themselves. That they'll be honest enough before you, Lord. And if they're struggling, that they'll ask you to meet them there and help them. And God, I I thank you. And I repent for my own lackadaisical attitude at times, Lord. Absolutely, at times I've been lukewarm and I've been just going through the motions. Father, I repent of that now. I thank you and I praise you. I thank you and I praise you. I thank you, Lord. You're a good God. You're a holy God. And you are worthy of our praise. And you are worthy of our dedication, Lord. You are worthy of it. Jesus, you gave it all. Everybody in here say, Father, I repent for any place where I've become lukewarm. I ask you to help me to turn from that now and to seek you with all of my heart. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website, 
and click the Big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.